More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We can't vaccinate the planet every six months. That is what a man has said, an Oxford vaccine scientist who actually helped come up with the Oxford AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine. That is a headline you will not hear about probably anywhere else because it is the inconvenient truth that they don't want you to know about. Now, let me give you a quick reminder. We need your help. If you would please make sure that you share this podcast on social media, hit that little share button. Please make sure you hit that subscribe or auto download button so you get the podcast free every day. And most importantly, please write us a five-star review real quick wherever you're listening to this podcast. As we got hit by a liberal website this week trying to destroy this podcast with bad reviews. This leading expert who helped create the Oxford AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine said that giving everyone in the world a booster shot multiple times a year is not feasible. Quote, we can't every six months. We can't vaccinate the planet every four to six months. We just can't do it. It's not sustainable. And it's not affordable, he said. Professor Andrew Pollard, the director of the Oxford Vaccine Group and the head of the UK's Committee on Vaccination Immunization, did this, sounded the alarm in a Daily Telegraph interview. Pollard also stressed the need to target the vulnerable going forward rather than administering doses to everyone ages 12 and older. Doesn't make sense, he says. More data, he also said, is needed to ascertain, quote, whether, when, and how often those who are vulnerable will need additional doses. Pollard also said he thought further evidence was needed before offering a fourth COVID shot to people in the U.K., So this is the guy who actually helped create the AstraZeneca, the Oxford AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine. And he is a doctor, is an expert with vaccines, is now saying we need further evidence before offering a fourth COVID-19 shot to people in the UK, which is obviously where he is. That would mean we need further evidence before offering a fourth COVID shot in the United States of America or in that for that matter, anywhere in the world. UK is doing exactly what we're doing here in America. They are rolling out their third shot, the booster shot. They're doing it, though, at a higher age group than we are doing in America. They're only doing it to help the people 18 and older. In other words, adults. They have added at-risk people 16 and older to that list, but only if you are at risk, meaning autoimmune deficiencies, things like that. How strongly does this leading expert who helped create the Oxford AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine feel about the alarm that he's sounding? Not only did he do a tell-all interview with the Daily Telegraph, but he did a separate interview with Sky News. And in that separate interview with Sky News, Pollard also cited the glaring unevenness of vaccine rollouts across the world as one of the big problems. He said... And again, this is the chair. He is the chair of the JCVI. He is a professor, a senior professor 
And he said COVID currently poses a low risk to most people who have been vaccinated. Now, this interview is an interview that the whole world should see. And there's a reason why they don't want you to see it. In fact, he said something that the rest of the sky is falling world wants to make sure you don't hear. And what is that? It is this. He said that COVID risk is low now for most people. Let me say that again. COVID is now low risk for people. Now, I've got part of this audio, and I want to play it for you, of this interview. Because it's that important that people hear the truth from a guy who helped create the vaccine. As he has said, basically, they're getting it wrong. I know because I helped create this, and this is going too far, and we need to slow down. Director of the Oxford Vaccine Group and chairperson of the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, Professor Sir Andrew Pollard. Uh, Great to talk to you today, uh, Sir Andrew. It's been an extraordinary 12 months, hasn't it, in the life of both COVID and the AstraZeneca vaccine. What have we learned? Well, I think, as you say, it's been a quite extraordinary uh, year that we've just been through. From uh, this time last year, when we were just starting rollout of vaccines, uh, with a lot of uncertainty still, about how long it would take to to start to bring the pandemic under control. But I think on on that day uh, last year, I certainly felt that that was the beginning of the end of the pandemic. Uh, Clearly, as the year's gone on, um, we've seen the most remarkable rollout of of vaccines, not just the Oxford vaccine, of all of them around the world, with uh, now um, around 9 billion doses uh, that have been distributed and the most incredible impact on uh, the the pandemic. Uh, So that we're in a very much better place today than we were. We're um, today, we have very large numbers of cases in the community, um, but still a very um, good control uh, of uh, severe disease uh, as a result of vaccination. They've been extraordinary. Are you worried that we're becoming a little complacent? Um, No, I I don't think we are being complacent uh, at all, actually. I mean, we're, Uh, Today, in a situation where there's very good monitoring, much better than it was before globally, um, trying to understand uh, how best to make sure that everyone in the world is protected um, as well as is possible. And now we're in this new period of transition to work out now that there's very high levels of immunity in countries like ours. How do we transition to a situation where society is open? Um, and we maintain protection of the vulnerable in the population. And, and that is the, the programmes that have been happening over the last few months with the doses being given and trying to uh, manage the number of cases so that the NHS is protected. Um, but as we go forwards into the year ahead, uh, working out better how to live with uh, the virus um, is going to be the critical next step. Did you notice what he just said there? We have to learn how to live better with the virus. He is conceding that we're not going to beat COVID anytime soon. And this is a guy that came up with a vaccine. This is a guy that's clearly giving medical advice, not advice based on financial profit. This is why people don't want you to hear this interview. This is why they don't want you to see this interview. This is why uh, last night on the mainstream media, right after this guy talked, I immediately turned on the news to see if anybody was covering this and nobody was. Nobody was covering this because this is the this this is the conversation that none of them want to have. 
He's conceding that the truth is, the reality is, we need to start taking care of the most vulnerable among us first and figure out the science about how to most best protect them. That we need to stop this idea, this uh, this insanity, that if everybody gets vaccinated, we're going to get some sort of herd immunity from this because he said the world will never get there. He's saying it's foolish to think that we can vaccinate the entire world, which is the only way to control this. And if you don't believe me, look at where this started in a Wuhan lab of virology. And then it got out of that lab, and now the entire world has been affected, infected, and, and the entire world's population has had death and destruction. Look at where, when you have Omicron, where it started, right? South Africa, where we first saw this pop. Look how quickly the rest of the world got it. Delta variant, the list goes on and on. And I may have gotten that wrong with Delta and Omicron. I apologize, you get my point. These things keep popping in one place. They spread the world faster than we even know it's spreading. And then once we figure out that it's spreading a new variant, it's too late. Can you shut down and lock down the entire world? And definitely no. Can you take away people's freedoms and definitely forever? That's the goal of this government, clearly under Biden. But his point is no. And he's saying it because it's medical. He's saying this because he's a, under, a man that understands vaccinations, and he's saying it's impossible to do this. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. This is a guy who helped make the AstraZeneca vaccine. Take a listen a little bit more of what the professor had to say, just saying, I'm tired of this unrealistic behavior in the world. The unrealistic idea that we can vaccinate everyone worldwide and somehow beat this thing. We got to learn to live with it. You mentioned third dose. Well, of course, countries like Israel, they're already doing fourth doses. Do you foresee a position where we are going to be pretty much getting jabbed every six months or so? Well, it's, it's just not, from a global perspective, affordable, sustainable or deliverable to give fourth doses to everyone on the planet every, every six months. And remember that today, less than 10% of people in low-income countries have been even had their first dose. Um, so the whole idea of regular fourth doses globally is just not um, sensible. Now, it may be that uh, as the science evolves, that we can work out who the most vulnerable are in populations and target future boosters to those individuals to maintain their protection. But for the vast majority of people um, who are vaccinated, the risk now is extremely low of severe COVID of those who've had three doses. And it's likely that we'll reach a point where uh, we're focusing those booster doses on those who most need them. And of course, at this moment, we don't know what that looks like. Does that mean that we need updated vaccines each year like we do with flu? Can we just use the same vaccines for boosters? We need more data to make those decisions. And in terms of those who haven't had vaccinations, um, there has been a lot of misinformation out there. How frustrating is it for you as a scientist who's been hugely involved in in the science of vaccination all your life um, to to see some of the the, the stuff that that is repeated usually online? And, And what impact do you think this has had? Has it actually caused people to die who might not have died? Well, there's no doubt that anything which, um, 
makes people uncertain or hesitant about being vaccinated, um, particularly um, those who are in vulnerable groups, um, that puts their life at risk. And we've uh, definitely um, uh, seen the effects of uh, some parts of the commentary, some of the misinformation, which have had a major impact on um, people's confidence in vaccination. By the way, this may be the guy that I trust the most right now with COVID-19. Seriously. Because he seems to be being incredibly intellectually honest about the vaccine, the power of the vaccine, the limits of the vaccine. And he's the guy that helped make the vaccine. The Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. This is a guy that's been doing vaccines his entire life. It's his life's work. When he just said misinformation is bad and explains it the way he's explaining it, I'm okay with it. I like that we have a doctor that helped create the vaccine saying you have to understand the vaccine is not a silver bullet now. It's very clear. We have to learn to live with this. We need to make sure that we are protecting and taking care of the most vulnerable with autoimmune and other things like that. Autoimmune issues. We need to take care of the elderly. That needs to be our focus. We need to do what we can for those that do need help in these ways. He's not trying to sell you more vaccines. Now, I don't know if he has any financial stake or interest in the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine. Based on the way he's talking, even if he does, he doesn't seem to care. Because he's not saying that we need boosters the fourth time. He's saying we need to do some research after the third one. And you heard what they were talking about in Israel. Israel has got one of the highest vaccination rates, if not the highest in the world. It's not working there either, folks. And what I mean by working is it's not like they're getting rid of COVID. COVID is still alive and well, unfortunately, in Israel. Because we are a global economy and everybody knows it. We are a global economy. And as long as people can fly... As long as people can go from city to city, state to state, country to country on a regular basis, which is exactly what we are witnessing, then this is what is going to continue to happen. You are going to see new variants and they're going to spread. And many times they will spread before we even know it is spread to different cities and states. And once that happens, it's game over. I cannot tell you how refreshing this is. I cannot tell you how happy it makes me that we are hearing somebody who is a medical expert in the medical community saying this. I cannot tell you how amazing this moment is. And there is a reason why the White House and the reason why the media is not covering this. This should be breaking news, worldwide breaking news. One of the dudes that made one of the vaccine at Oxford AstraZeneca, an expert in vaccinations, is saying... Pump the brakes on a fourth shot. We need research. He's he's sounding the alarm that the idea that we can vaccinate our way out of this problem every four to six months is impossible. He's saying it is not sustainable. So we need to learn to live our lives with this. By the way, I'm in favor of misinformation being called out as misinformation. I know a lot of people personally that are not getting vaccines because of videos by people claiming to be doctors online that are actually not doctors, right? They're, they're chiropractors. 
They refer to themselves as doctors in videos online that have been sent around to people. And I know people are like, well, there's a group of doctors and they're all DCs. They're all chiropractors. Never been in medical school a single day in their life. Many of them not even taking science classes in their entire life. I love, I love chiropractors. I go see one, but they're not doctors. They're not medical doctors. They don't have an MD. They didn't go to med school. And the fact that people get, and that's misinformation. That's what I'm talking about. And I think that is what he's talking about. Now, here's the other thing about this guy. Can you imagine if we had a guy like that giving out in this country about the vaccine, what it would do? Can you imagine? Instead of Dr. Fauci and, and Collins and, and all these others. Imagine if that was the guy leading the charge. I can't, I cannot imagine how many more people would have the vaccine if we had someone as level-headed as this guy instead of as polarizing and psychotic as Dr. Fauci is. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I think America and the rest of the world right now is begging for honesty when it comes to vaccines. They're begging for honesty from those that understand what's going on with COVID. They're begging for some level of transparency. We're not getting that from the United States government right now. And we need it. The people that are not getting vaccinated are dug in in this country, I think, on politics more than anything else. They're not making a medical decision any longer. They're making a political decision. And I understand why, because the left has put them in a corner. And when you corner an individual or an animal, what do you do? You start to fight back. When you started using words like mandates and you started saying you can't participate in society unless you do what we tell you to do. You corner people and they immediately come out fighting. And it's no longer about the premise of the argument. It's about you're fighting because you cornered me. You listen to this professor, Sir Andrew Pollard, a guy who created COVID-19 Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. And you listen to the way that he talks about COVID. And, and, and let's just recap it. Imagine what could change in this country if this guy was our Fauci? Imagine if this guy was put on national TV in America. Look at what he's selling you right now. Number one, the vaccine does help you against serious illness. Number two, the vaccine's not a silver bullet. Number three, I don't believe we need to be just unlimited boosters and we need to do some real research before we advocate for a fourth. Number four, we really need to talk about those are the most vulnerable, and we need to start looking at that way. Number five, it is impossible to vaccinate the entire world every four to six months. And the most important thing he said so far is we have to learn to live with this. And what that means to me is we have to realize that this idea that we lock down every time there's a spike is insane. It's unrealistic. It is impossible. That's what this dude is saying. That's, that's what he is telling you. It is absolutely impossible to accomplish 
this goal of vaccinating the world, it is impossible to think that every time something pops that we can just run out there and arbitrarily somehow fix this. We can't do it. It's not possible. So we need to go back to living our lives. We need to be careful and responsible, but we don't need to shut down our lives. We've been trying that for two years. He also is admitting a a level of defeat, which I think is amazing to admit because it's an important one. We are not going to beat this thing. The world's too big. We are too interconnected and we are not going to beat it. We have to learn to live with it. We're not going to declare victory over it. We're not going to have a day where we say we eradicated it any time soon. That to me gives me more hope than anything Fauci's pushing right now. Because this is at least an honest, take a deep breath and relax. I now know the real new normal. I now know what reality is. I now feel like someone is finally being honest with the world. And he's one of the guys that made the vaccine. Criticalities. It's another type of virus that spreads very readily around the world. Is there anything you would have done differently now looking back over the last 12 years? Because, yes, you've been involved in vaccines all this time, but it's been unlike anything else in terms of the scale. Um, well, I, I mean, our, our major role in uh, 2020 was in vaccine development. And I think the one thing um, that I would have liked to have been able to do differently uh, would be to run much larger clinical trials. And we couldn't do that, um, partly because of the human resources required to do that that we needed at the time. Um, but largely just we didn't have the manufacturing capacity to make enough doses to run larger trials. And the reason why that's uh, so important is if we could have done that, uh, we may have had a vaccine a month or two earlier. And with 10,000 people dying every day at the end of 2020, um, it really shows you if you can just make a few weeks difference uh, to shave off the time it takes to develop vaccines, you can save many lives around the world. And so I think that for me is the uh, the biggest thing that if we were starting this again, that uh, would be to find ways of actually having more doses to run larger trials and get an answer quicker. Um, during the course of uh, the, uh, the last year, um, I don't think um, uh, uh, that we, we have to, we should shy away from the problem that we've had from a global community perspective, uh, which has been timely vaccination of vulnerable people everywhere. Millions of people have died during 2021 because they weren't vaccinated um, in uh, before they got disease. And many of those people died because they didn't have access to vaccines. The equitable distribution of vaccines is the other thing which I think uh, we really need to think about how to address, not just for future pandemics, but even today in this pandemic to make sure um, the people are protected everywhere. I, I love, by the way, the point he's making here because he's saying, I made mistakes. We made mistakes. I wish we would have done this differently. I wish we would have done that differently. This is someone that I can tell has honesty, has integrity, and is willing to admit that there were things that we got wrong, which, by the way, expected people to get things wrong. I expected there to be things that we could do differently. This is the first time we've ever faced something like this in my lifetime. No one was going to get everything right. All the countries that have done Definitely none of them have COVID based on the fact it's still here and still prevalent in their countries. 
But he's admitting that there are things that we did wrong. But one of the things he's saying is, look, we got to do a better job of getting the vaccine out to the entire world population. Because if you think you're going to be safe in America because you get everybody vaccinated or Israel or any other country or the UK, while the other parts of the world have no protection, they're going to be the ones that are going to give you your new variant, which we're not going to be able to fight. Right. Where, where did the last one come from? South Africa, where how many people were talking about they needed more vaccines there? They need to get more people vaccinated. Right. They needed to get vaccinated. They needed to get vaccinated. And, they, and we didn't have enough vaccines going to that part of the world because there wasn't enough money to justify sending it there. Right. We wanted to send it to a place where we got a lot of cash and we got a lot of cash. We made it. We got a lot of money. We made a lot of money. We got a lot of cash. This vaccine is a moneymaker. I'm not against people making money. But when you're purposely and deliberately not sending vaccines to other parts of the world because they don't have as much money as you have, you got to start looking and scratching your head on that one too. Have we heard any major health official with the United States government say we got it wrong? Here's another headline for you. He lies all the time. Dr. Robert Malone torches Anthony Fauci, claims he has, quote, no integrity. Virologists... And immunologist Dr. Robert Malone made it clear this week that he was not shocked to see Dr. Fauci, President Joe Biden's chief medical advisor, making claims about the efficiency of cotton or surgical masks that he did not believe were true. Malone was recently booted from Twitter amid claims that he was promoting, quote, misinformation about available COVID-19 vaccines, particularly those that utilize the mRNA technology he worked to develop. And he joined Fox News host Laura Ingram Monday's broadcast of the Ingram Angle. Ingram began with a question about Malone's exile from Twitter, noting that Congresswoman Jaya Paul, a Democrat from Washington, had said over the weekend that Twitter's efforts to silence misinformation and particularly the platform's permanent ban of Congressman Major Taylor Greene, Republican from Georgia, We're steps in the right direction, but not enough. Dr. Malone, where is this country going when an elected official seems to be celebrating a silencing of other Americans, she asked. I think you said it. There will be a big turnaround midterms. Where the country is going is where Joe Rogan just went. From Twitter to Getter, Malone replied. And that media doesn't understand that 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 understand is that you can't suppress information. It will find a way to be free. And we're having new, you know, this is an example of the positive aspect of American economy and innovation. We've had all this suppression and yet we persist. People don't tolerate this type of censorship and propaganda that is being pushed on us. He's right. Inger and them asked Malone to weigh in on a clip from CNN State of the Union during which host Dana Bash asked Dr. Fauci about the efficiency of cloth or surgical masks, particularly with regard to the most recent and highly contagious Omicron variant. Quote, are cotton and surgical masks effective at preventing the spread of Omicron? Bash asked and Fauci said that they were. Yeah. When the CDC says they are effective, in fact, they are. Fauci responded. Ingram turned back to Malone asking whether Fauci's claims had been a lie, and he said that it was. Quote, I mean, it's Tony. What can I say? Tony has no integrity. He lies all the time. And I've, me and my peers have been watching this for decades, Malone said. We just shrug our shoulders and shake our heads and say it's Fauci. Now, an N95 mask tightly fitted to the surgeon's face 
or the health providers face, a tightly fitted mask, that can prevent transmission of viruses. Correct. But who can wear a tightly fitted medical grade mask? Certainly not a two-year-old on a flight. Yes. And the thing is with Omicron is that it has a reproductive coefficient. And that is fancy medical epidemiology talk, but it's a reproductive coefficient, which is a measure of ineffectiveness. It's in the range of measles. It's in the 7 to 10 range. We are all going we are all going to get infected. Probably the only ones that won't some degree of symptoms from this in the United States are going to be those that have natural immunity. And still a fraction of those are going to get infected as well. Now, this doctor is saying exactly what the doctor who came up with this Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine is saying. We are not going to stop this. We need to learn to live with it. Stop telling the people in the world and stop giving them this lie that if you get vaccinated and boosted, that somehow we're going to beat this thing. We're going to have to learn to live with it. Please take our podcast and share it so that other people can hear this. Because once we all get our head around this idea that this thing is here and it's going to be here for a long time and that we're not going to vaccinate our way out of this and you start talking honestly about Omicron and every other variant that's coming and you talk about this idea that it's impossible to fix this with boosters every four to six months, that this is not feasible from the guy who helped make the vaccine, the faster we're going to learn to live with this and the faster we're going to learn to deal with it in a way that makes sense. And doesn't destroy society. Please make sure you share this with other people. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. All right, I got to also uh, transition to something else that is really important that I want you to hear about, and that is the Build Back Better plan. And also this debacle with testing and having lack of COVID-19 tests for people in this country. Joining me now to talk about this, a man that's been fighting the Build Back Better plan because it's nothing but a waste of trillions of your tax dollars. Uh, And also we passed a bill, I want to remind you, that was supposed to deal with COVID and was supposed to deal with testing. So the question now is, why didn't we have enough tests? U.S. Senator Bill Haggerty joins me now to talk about all of this. Senator, the good news is that's coming out right now is that Senator from West Virginia, Democrat Joe Manchin, looks to be standing firm and saying he is going to kill the Build Back Better plan. He actually said, quote, it is debtor than ever your thoughts on his statement well it it certainly um seems to be dead right now the negotiations particularly according to mansion are dead in the water you know when people have had the opportunity to stand back and look at this and i'll take you ben all the way back to august when i stopped this so-called infrastructure bill they tried to pass that in the dead of night they're going to let us find out what was in a 2700 page bill after we passed it That's the way Chuck Schumer wants to manage things in the Senate. Let's pass it to find out what's in it. But as the American public 
is that an opportunity to find out what the Democrats are really planning to do? They've turned out to be very, very uh, upset with the Democrats' plan. Their vision for America is so different than the Republicans' vision for America. Republicans want to put Americans in control of their lives and control of their families. The Democrats want to put the federal government in control of everything, and they want to use the IRS to basically run our lives. If the public found out what was in this Build Back Better bill, they found out it's not paid for. It's going to add $3 trillion more to the U.S. deficit. Uh, that's when you take out all the budget gimmicks that they're using to change the top-line number. Uh, what the American public got to see was, again, more Democrat trickery, pouring fuel onto a, to a burning fire. When you look at the inflation that we're talking about, they want to put this debt fuel package right into the economy. We've got inflation now at a 40-year high. And they want to put more federal money into the economy. This all started when Biden, you know, when they pushed the March so-called COVID relief package back in March, $1.9 trillion package with zero Republican votes. They shoved that into the economy at the time the economy was already improving. And they set off this massive inflation that's, that's hurting every American right now. So the public has had an opportunity to see what's in it. I think Joe Manchin is right. I think the negotiations are as dead as they can be. And as the public has found out about it, this stuff isn't working back in home districts. And I think a lot of Democrat lawmakers got to get an earful of that when they went home over Christmas. I was going to say, usually when you go home over Christmas, if you're a congressman or a senator, you go back, you do a couple events, right? You've had an excuse not to do as many events because of COVID-19 and Omicron uh, surge, but you're still hearing from people. And it's very clear that Democrats are, are very fearful. And I don't want to become overconfident. I always tell people that's the worst thing you can do getting ready for an election. But it does look like the Democrats are certainly in serious trouble just with another the number of resignations from Congress and seeing Democrats like yes. Joe Manchin, West Virginia. that are like, dude, I can't do this like this is people are, are, are not going to go with this. My my constituents uh, are going to have I'll have hell to pay. Sorry, Joe Biden. This is not going to help me keep my job or help me get reelected. Uh, and you need to understand this. So mm-hmm. now you have phase two mm-hmm. and phase two seems to be. Well, we'll just slam this thing down your throat piece by piece. How do we stop that? Well, I think there's a very good chance that they will attempt that. But again, these policies are so poorly drafted. They're avoiding the normal process in the Senate, which would force them to go through a committee that's designed as a full staff to to vet these proposed laws, to to vet this legislation, and to make certain there aren't unintended consequences. Instead, what they're going to try to do is probably break it up and, again, shove it through this completely partisan way where it gets drafted in the basement of Chuck Schumer's office, not through the normal process of the Senate. I mean, we have yet to see any text on the Republican side of this build back better. We're just trying to draw it out from what happened over in the House of Representatives. This is the way they've been operating. Again, pass it to find out what's in it. And I think they're going to have the, the very same problems, even if it's in a small dose. But we're going to have to be, when I say we, the Republicans here are going to have to be ever diligent to stand up, to fight this, to, to, to push back at every turn. And not to let Chuck Schumer use the calendar and other gimmicks to sort of shove this through in the dark of night. I want to move to something else real quick, and that is you had this admission, uh, this, you know, moment right before the end of the year where Joe Biden said that it's uh, the federal government is not going to solve COVID-19. There was a lot of conservative commentators yeah. that celebrated that moment. And I, did, I said, screamed very loud uh, on the show. Do not take that bait. I think what Joe Biden understood is one thing. If you let states do what we're trying to do, they're going to be more successful on the state level. 
with extreme lockdowns, vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, taking away kids' rights, forcing vaccines on children to be able to go to school or be able to be, to be eligible for extracurricular activities. And, and I said to people, it, this was not a dumb play by Joe Biden. I think he was signaling to the states, you guys need to take this further than I can because I'm going to keep getting slapped down by the court system, but you guys will have more success like places like New York City and San Francisco and others. I, I think this is far from over Democrats going for ultimate power and control over literally owning your children like they are government property in schools. Then I think you're exactly right. And if you go back to well before the Afghanistan crisis, Joe Biden had already said this wasn't the realm for the federal government. He knew it before. He forgot it when his numbers went in the tank after the dis- disgrace in Afghanistan and they, they put this mandate out. Uh, it certainly did work. It changed the, the news attention. Uh, the headlines moved away from Afghanistan and that crisis uh, to, to the federal lockdown. But I think they've known for a long time that the federal government doesn't have a solution to this. And you're exactly right. This is the way America is designed to work. The laboratories of democracy in our 50 states. That's certainly the way we like things in my home state of Tennessee. And we've done a good job managing our state. That's why so many people are moving to Tennessee from these blue states that have such disastrous policies. But I think you're also exactly right that they will continue to try to shove their leftist policies through in these blue states and that they're better equipped to do it, just as you said, Ben, at the state level. Joe Biden has also blamed now states uh, trying to act like it's not his fault that we have a mass amount of COVID-19 testing shortages. Uh, He's now blaming states for not having enough tests uh, for schools. And he said that, look, if your school is experiencing corona testing, coronavirus testing uh, shortages, that's the fault of your uh, state. How did he get it so wrong on testing? How did Fauci get it so wrong on testing? The CDC, Collins, everybody involved, and not have enough tests to deal with this spike in a new variant that we all knew was going to happen. It was very clear the world was not beating Mm COVID-19. We knew it was going to morph again in another time and another time, probably another time. How did they get this so wrong? And now they're just pointing the finger at the states and they're being let off the hook by the media. Well, again, they always look for a scapegoat, and the media is more than accommodating Joe Biden and the Democrat Party. But I'll say this. Let's go back to the $1.9 trillion package that they passed in March. That was supposedly a, quote, pandemic relief package. Yet only 9% of it had anything to do with the pandemic or hospitals or health care. They have been bait and switching the American public all along, using the pandemic as their excuse. If you add up all of the dollars that have been allocated to doing just this, dealing with tests and and, and getting the proper PPE and equipment into place, $82 billion have been passed out of the Congress to deal with this. They have misused the funds. They are more focused on their social programs and transforming America than anything else. And I think what we need is a complete audit of what's been done to this point. We need to hold people like Fauci to account. They have, again, uh, done a terrible job. Of, of doing their primary responsibility that's taking care of the American people. And this is yet another failure that every citizen, every taxpayer is looking at when they go to get a test, can't find one. Long lines everywhere. In fact, they're probably contaminating one another if they're concerned to go to get a test. I'm sure this is causing people to think twice about even being tested now. A complete backfire, again, because they have not implemented the policies as they were, were, were at least advertised. They're using this. Again, and, and a lot of people, Senator, forget this. I mean, better money. Uh, let's talk about the money. That bill, and I want to want you to expand on this a little bit because you were fighting hard against this bill because 90% of the bill had nothing to do with COVID. That bill yes. cost taxpayers, again, how much money? 
$1.9 trillion. And how much money have you been told or heard from this administration is what we would need to spend to to get enough tests so that we wouldn't have this problem we're dealing with literally right now? Well, there was over $30 billion in that most recent package. Again, that was a completely Democrat design package that would have dealt with this in its, in its entirety. Of course, it hasn't been properly spent, hasn't been properly utilized. And if you add up all of the expenditures that have been appropriated through the Congress, that adds up to over $80 billion. Uh, so they, they, again, advertise one thing, but then deliver something quite different. Uh, it, the mismanagement that has happened while having not only a vaccine, but also having the finances needed to pay for virtually anything you want to deal with, with COVID-19, and the fact they still can't get it done when it comes to basic testing, there has to be some sort of accountability. Is there any way that you guys in Congress can hold them accountable for the mismanagement of their funds? I know you mentioned an audit, but is there a way to, to shine a light on the fact that this wasn't an accident of the states, as Joe Biden just mentioned? It's not an accident of the schools, not the fault of local school boards. This is a federal government failure under Biden and under Pelosi and under Schumer. We've already started that process of um, of, of reaching into the Department of Health and Human Services to get them to give us a full accounting of where these funds have gone. We're going to continue to get resistance from them, though, as long as they control both houses of Congress and the White House. That's why changing the complexion of the Congress in 2022, this year, this November, is so critical, Ben. Once we have control of the House and the Senate, we're going to be able to properly deploy our oversight function and get to the bottom of this, and there's going to be hell to pay. Lastly, I want to get your take on the hostility that's taking place from people in government, not just even in this country, but around the world. There was a shocking quote uh, that uh, President um, Macron says he wants to uh, blank off unjabbed by banning them from social life with a vax passport. Uh, we are seeing this type of arrogance, not just in America, uh, what we're seeing in California, what we're seeing in Michigan, what we're seeing uh, in, in New York. But now you have entire countries' leadership like France, where their president is saying that he's okay. he wants to blank people off. He wants to blank them off the unjabbed in the country by implementing a vaccine pass regimen saying, I really want to blank them off. He is what he said. He doubled down on it, basically saying we're going to have two different groups of people in society. We're seeing this now with kids, kids that went back to school yesterday. And I've got countless parents sending me pictures of their kids who are being taken from their classrooms for not wearing masks and being put into cafeterias, into waiting rooms, uh, into, into hallways and being punished until the parents come get them for not wearing a mask, going against their parents' directive. This seems to be the new normal in this country, and now it's happening not just here, but around the world by some of the biggest leaders we know. Ben, you're touching on something that's deeply troubling to Americans, particularly people from my home state of Tennessee. You know, Go back to uh, Joe Biden's first big meeting with so-called G7 when he was with his European pals, and they welcomed him back to the club. This is the club that people like the French President Macron belong to. They view everybody else as a deplorable. You know, Hillary Clinton, I think, defined it well. That's the Democrat Party elite's view of the rest of the world, that the rest of us are all deplorable. And we are exactly the people that they depended on, uh, you know, in critical positions during the, during the depth of the pandemic 
to be frontline workers, whether it was our law enforcement officers, our healthcare workers, the people that kept the food on the shelves at the grocery store, they depended on us to do all of that. Uh, the front line was, the, was who they're looking for to help them. Many people got the disease then. Uh, you know, then they want to deny, they want to essentially say, if you don't fall in line doing exactly as we want you to do it, we're going to call you again a deplorable, you're un, un, unworthy, we're going to segregate you. Uh, it's, it's just another, another again, egregious, um, you know, egregious example of the way they view most of the world, uh, the deplorables. As always, I appreciate your time and coming on. And again, Happy New Year. Lastly, I'll say it again to everybody listening. Please make sure you hit that auto download or subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Please help us fight back and write us a five-star review as liberals are attacking our podcast with bad reviews on purpose, uh, trying to hurt uh, the reach of this podcast. And please share this on social media. I will see you back here tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.